So as the community here would know, uh, I have a wee dog. Well, he's not really small, actually. He's a good size, a good manly size of a dog. Um, he's half German Shepherd, half Husky, but he's not a mongrel. No, 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 he's a purebred mix of two races. So um, wonderful dog, very smart, very good company for my good self and, and that. So um, he's very well behaved. He's got good table manners. Uh, he waits beside whoever's eating and puts on these big puppy eyes, even though he's three years of age, and can kind of gently put his paw on your leg. And as, not, as long as you're wearing jeans or something with a little bit of protection, it doesn't even hurt. Uh, and he'll just wait there until you give him food. Now, uh, whenever he does this to the community, I always tell them, Never feed him at the beginning or he's just going to be begging from you and bugging you for the whole meal, okay? You can leave him something at the end, you know? Give him some of the, the leftovers. Give him the, the little bit of a crust or something like that. You don't obviously give him the best cuts of whatever it is. You give him the leftovers because, because he's a dog. I mean, I, lo I love him and all, but he's a dog. He's a dog. So we give him the leftovers, okay? Uh, when it comes to God, God should never get the leftovers of our life. Right? God should never get the leftovers. God should get what's best. Okay? Now, I've already given away the punchline, really. But if we look at Cain and Abel today, I remember the first time I read this story, I had no idea why it was that God's sacrifice, that God, when he saw Cain's sacrifice, he wasn't happy. When he sees Abel's, Abel's sacrifice, he was happy. Okay, so just to, to recap... Uh, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Right? So he was a shepherd. So he sacrificed one of his lambs. Uh, and the Lord looked with favor on that offering. Cain brought some of his produce of the soil as an offering to the Lord. While Abel, for his part, brought the firstborn of his flock and some of their fat as well. So what's the difference between their offerings? Okay, Cain brings some of the produce, while Abel brings the firstborn. It's a key difference there. So Cain brings, there was some grain or celery, whatever he was, he, was, he, he grew plants. So uh, he, he brought some of it, okay? Whereas it seems quite clear according to this that Abel brings the best, the firstborn, okay? Similarly with us today, like thousands of years later, uh, what do we give to God? Do we give the leftovers of our day? And often the, the, the danger is, I think, as the overall standard drops, as the overall bar of sanctity drops, we can actually even pat ourselves on the back for giving God the leftovers. So aren't we amazing? Like, I, there was a trucker box there, right? And I, over the course of Lent last year, I'd say I put in a good tenor into it. Do you know what I mean? And you can go out on a Saturday night and blow 150 euro without even thinking about it. I'd say a tenner of the whole lint by. But I'd say I put a tenner in it. Like. And we pat ourselves on the back, you know, for being so incredibly generous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, not that it's much of a thing anymore. And again, not that I care about money, but I suppose it is an easy way to kind of judge these things. You know, when the collection basket comes around and you're like, I have two 50 cents coins. One will do, I suppose. You know what I mean? Like This kind of attitude is just give, the, give God the absolute minimum. Give him the leftovers of our life. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I have a bit of time to pray, but I need my I need my rest. I need my me time too, you know. 
or you know, a mass, and, and this is unfortunately a chronically Irish thing as well, where people will actually shop around, well this used to be the case obviously a lot more when people could drive to mass, but they'll shop around for the shortest mass, right? Give God the absolute minimum amount of time. And of course the crazy thing is, sometimes they would drive 15 minutes that way, rather than five minutes this way, for a mass that was five minutes shorter. As the Americans would say, you do the math, okay? You're driving, it's a 10 minute, it's, it's a 10 minute longer journey each direction for a mass that's five minutes shorter. But this idea of just give the Lord the absolute minimum. Okay, I want this faith of mine to have the absolute minimum impact on my life. My faith should not interfere with my freedom. God and all of his commandments and stuff shouldn't get in the way of me living my life. So I give him what I need to give him for just to calm him, calm him down and so he won't blast me with a lightning bolt. But I'm living my life. Okay? And this is Cain's attitude, right? Just, just to give some of the produce. But no, it doesn't have to be the best. It doesn't have to be, you know, anything, anything that actually costs you something. Just, just give him something. Just keep him quiet. Okay? And I think this can actually, it's, it's, it's sad that this can actually be more prevalent, maybe in us, in me too, than we'd like to admit. And it's interesting, uh, especially for us here, like in Holy Family, we have a regular prayer rhythm. You know, we have a, a, a prayer program. So it's programmed into the day. So kind of wanting to or not, you just kind of end up in the chapel because everyone's there, you know. Uh, and it's interesting then on your days off, on your days off, does prayer figure much at all? Or on your summer holidays? I mean, this is also for us, for me as a priest, like when, when there isn't so much of a structure to my day, will there be as much prayer? as when there is a structure. Do I give God the time he deserves every day or just because it's part of the program so we kind of have to be here? So what we're seeing here is, is it's like it's the intention, the, the attitude of heart. It's an, an interior thing. It's not so, it, 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 the, the question isn't, are you a shepherd or a tillage farmer? Because shepherds are going to have a natural advantage. Um, this, this isn't the question. The question is, is the attitude with which the sacrifice is made or for us, the attitude with, with which we live our lives, our prayer lives, our, our faith lives. The attitude. Am I doing so with, with love to give God the best? Or am I giving him the leftovers like we do to dogs? Do I give God the best? And that's why traditionally, uh, even churches, like it was, this is our way of showing God, God, we give you the best. It's not about us having bigger buildings and than Muslims or Hindus, so we have to have a bigger church or bigger basilica. There's nothing to do with kind of boasting rights. That's just infantile schoolyard stuff. My daddy's bigger than yours. I mean, um, it's nothing like that. It's, we want to give God the best, right? So when you go into a church, it should look like this place is heavenly. You know, it should look like a place of prayer, a place worthy of God. You know, we could take out that tabernacle there and say, well, Jesus was a, a carpenter. So, uh, Joe, if you want to go outside there and find some old bits of leftover furniture and just put together a kind of a box, just kind of a rickety old thing, it'll be fine. Jesus was a carpenter. I mean, he was simple. He didn't even have a lathe or anything like So we'll just, you know, just once the door closes somehow, use an elastic band just to keep the old door closed. You know what I mean? And, and in this, in, by doing this, say, see, we've understood the heart of Jesus because he was poor. You haven't understood the heart of Jesus, which is the heart of our divine Savior, which bled out of love for you. That's what you have misunderstood. That's what you have missed. That's what you have not seen. God deserves the best that we can give him. Always. Always. 
God deserves our hearts. God deserves the best of you. God deserves your time. So when we continue our readings uh, in, in, from the book of Genesis all this week, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, even though, as I say, uh, at a first reading, you might think, this looks unfair. It looks unfair. It looks like, uh, if, if you will, Cain killing Abel was actually maybe God's fault. If God had just looked favorably on both of their offerings, then Cain wouldn't have been annoyed, and he wouldn't have killed Abel. But again, look, another, another little detail. The details are always so important. The Lord asks Cain, why are you angry and downcast? He's at, God is actually warning him. He's saying, be careful. All right, there's a massive temptation. There's a cloud around you at the moment, mate. Watch out, you know. He says, why are you downcast? If you are well disposed, you know, well disposed in attitude of heart, remember? If you are well disposed, ought you not to lift up your head? But if you are ill disposed, is not sin at the door like a crouching beast hungering for you, which you must master. Okay? So God gives him this warning. He's saying, be careful. You, you are being tempted at the moment. And there's, a, there's this beast at the door. You have to control it. This, maybe it might even be like this beast within, this rage, this anger, this vengeance, this hatred you have for your brother. Control it. Because the consequences will not be good. Cain then gives God the minimum. So we can, for ourselves, has a very superficial prayer life, if any. Doesn't listen to the, the warning of the Lord, just like us in our own consciences. When we feel we're about to do something that we know God doesn't want us to do, we push on through anyway, and we fall into sin. Bad prayer life, bad discernment, no obedience to God, sin. And in all of this, as God is trying to warn him as a father, don't do this. Don't do this. You've got to master this. And the consequences are, are fratricide. Cain kills Abel. So, so there are consequences. Our prayer life, the, 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 the quality of our prayer life will have very clear consequences in our life. Something I've said a million times, but it, it, it's, it's always a good thing to remember. And it's a quotation from Mark Hart where he says, prayer, prayer isn't just Prayer doesn't help our relationship with God. Prayer is our relationship with God. Prayer doesn't just kind of assist it and just kind of you know, boost it a little. If there is no prayer, there is no relationship with God. Without prayer, your belief in God, what is it? If you just believe in him but never talk to him, don't love him, don't include him in any of your decisions, then what, 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 what's your belief in God? What does it mean? Like, what, what actually is it? What's the difference between that and, and the belief in an imaginary friend? Whereas belief, belief in God as he reveals himself should lead us to love, should lead us to obedience, and ultimately should lead us to heaven. This is very, very real. So we ask the good Lord to renew our prayer lives, that we may not give the Lord just the leftovers, but give him quality time. Give him the, the, the quality love of our hearts to give him what he deserves as our Lord, as our Savior, as our King, and as our Redeemer. Amen.